the button. I am recording. There's kilobytes that are increasing. Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati. This is episode six. I am Sam Quarter from Pinnacle Solutions Group. I'm Alex Argo from A-Star Software. And we are not joined tonight by our third member, Alex Robinson from Atomic Robot. He's busy trying to finish up a client project. So, Sam, what, what's, what's new this week? Doing anything fun lately? It was a busy week. We've been trying to get a release out the door. But we also happen to have a hackathon day. Those are fun. Uh, what did you? How does that work? Uh, at where you work at? So the way it works with us is we gather up a whole bunch of ideas into a, a shared repository. I hate to say that it happens to be SharePoint, but that's just what the company uses. Uh, so all these ideas go into the source. SharePoint, and then we'll have a day where we do a presentation of these ideas, and then we form up teams, and then the next day we reconvene and actually do a full day of development work on these ideas. And so the ideas, they'll they'll range from small things to very ambitious ideas. Personally, I like to go for the small, easy ideas that provide a lot of impact. Uh, some other guys, they tend to go for the bigger ideas, but then they seem to end up working on them afterward in their own time. And I'm just too busy for that. Interesting, yeah. And one of the kind of the key key things to most hackathons I've been involved in is there is a time limit. That's all the time you get. So you have your hackathon, and then you can work on it some more, and then it's it's done. How does that how does that work? Yeah. So what we do is we'll do the full day of development, coding, hacking, however you want to call it, and then we'll reconvene about a week later to present the results of our idea, the results of the hack day. And sometimes oh, it's just a small PowerPoint. Other times it's uh, an actual demonstration of the app or the the new app maybe that somebody might have created. Cool. That, that does seem kind of cheating that you can have someone who's spent one day on it like they're supposed to and then someone else who goes off and spends a week working on something. Yeah, I, I feel that way a bit. And I Have there mind. been issues with that or... <laughs> Well, some of the guys that tend to um, win the judging contest. So there is some uh, judging that goes on where people vote for best idea, most innovative idea, uh, various other topics like best presenter and uh, best salesman, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And the guys that tend to spend time outside of the actual hackathon they tend to take home the best idea because really they end up with something that's the most polished 
Gotcha. So the best idea equals the best end result, not necessarily. Yeah, or it's just whatever impresses the rest of the crowd the most. Okay. So what what is the what is the goal of your hackathon? Because I've been involved in a couple of hackathons. I've done one where there's like a prize that like my company sponsored me to go to. Um, I've been to like a kind of small focus, like, Hey, we have this day to day stuff and no one gets time to experiment that much. So we're going to give you a day to kind of try something new and see if you can have an impact. And then there's even had like the full company single day, like, uh, Let's innovate some interdisciplinary stuff type hackathons. Uh, see what we come up with. Um, so what, what's the goal of, of the hackathon at the, at the client that you're at? Well, their idea right now is fostering innovation. And so uh, it started off with just our mobile team doing the hackathons. And that was probably two of them. Our third one, they brought in outside parties uh, with our one of our vendors. They brought in and they collaborated, and then also the it opened up to the rest of our uh, program that the mobile team falls underneath. So you had back end service guys and front end web developers all inside of this hackathon, and so that this is the second one, I believe where we've had it open up to everybody and cool. it's worked out pretty well. Uh, sometimes the, there's a little bit of rivalry between the mobile guys and the web guys because the web guys go, Oh, that mobile stuff. It's just a fad. We can do this all in HTML five. And so they'll <laughs> go off and try to implement something that's in the mobile app with HTML five. And it works like a HTML five app goes. So, we never really feel that threatened. But. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and it's good. It's good competition. So what is the format? You said people get stuck together on SharePoint. Uh, and, and what happens from there? So after the ideas are gathered up in SharePoint, the person who submitted the idea goes and presents it. And then there's a team that gets formed around that after all the and presentations that's, are and done. That's on the, and that's on the one day for the hackathon? It's actually the, the 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 evening before, or the afternoon okay. That before. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So then it also allows people to get a little prep time in. So really, there's probably more than a full eight hours that that goes on, uh, mm-hmm. especially with the guys that keep going. Yeah, but it's fun, and I honestly don't mind that those guys keep going. That's it's something that they're passionate about, and some of those ideas have actually made it into the production app. So okay, so you get started, you you form the teams, you get the ideas, and you know in the morning, like you said, uh, and you do the work. What is what's the end result of the the hackathon? The way you guys have been doing it. So it tends to be uh, a modification to the existing product that we have that somebody wants to try out, like uh, the latest idea to make it into production was a switch from the old Facebook-style hamburger menu, the hamburger thing that Facebook popularized, the little slide-out menu. 
I think we're all unfortunately familiar with it. <laughs> Especially if you're using an Android phone, because they've really embraced that idea. But yeah, it's a system it system is. library in it now, yeah. Yeah, it is, and it's kind of weird how it's implemented, I think. But anyway, so it was the hackathon idea was get rid of that and go back to the old style tab bar and see if that fosters more usage of different features inside of the app. And that's gone into production probably about two months ago, maybe three months. Cool. Yeah. And so, so you said stuff makes it production. Is it like, uh, is there like a stringent process? Like, Oh, this one wins or how does that work? Like what, how do you decide what makes it into production? Well, it's actually up to the product owner. Uh, we might go and vote on all these ideas, but if the product owner goes, no, I don't, I'm not willing to spend money on actually productionalizing that, then it doesn't really happen. Hmm. Uh, but he actually is open to a lot of the ideas. And sometimes it might be just incorporating a piece of that idea. Okay. Well, it that, that sounds like at least some stuff makes it... Uh to become like a, a real piece of your product. Uh, I've, I've been in somewhere. It's kind of cool. Uh, where basically, you know, you have a bunch of people present their ideas at the end of the day, what they've come up with. And then like the top two or whatever, based on, you know, some stakeholders who are judging it actually, you know, get the funding or time or whatever they need to like go. I think it was like for at least a week. To, to make whatever thing is happening more if it, you know, makes business sense. Um, but it seems like, like either way can probably produce results that, that make people feel like their time was worthwhile at the hackathon. Definitely. And there's, there's always the personal gratification that goes into it as well. There's a lot of these people, they definitely take pride in their ideas so Sam, what would, can you tell us much about what your? Uh, you said you recently had a hackathon. What your idea you worked on was? Oh yeah. So credit to you. This was an idea that you had sent my way last fall when Apple introduced extensions in iOS eight. And the idea, well, it's kind of a combination of extensions along with. The one password guys, the agile bits, I think they are. Mm -hmm. They created an extension inside of their app to allow apps to access the passwords. And so they also published some sample code to make it really dirt simple to access the extension. And so now inside of the app, Next to the password field is a little unlock symbol, like the one password icon. And you tap that, the you get the choice of picking any extension that conforms to this uh, kind of one password protocol that the Agile mm -hmm. Bit guys came up with. So uh, LastPass is another one that does it. I'm not sure if there's any other ones. But basically... Well, when you say they they do it, they use the same protocol as uh, One Password does, so that 
you write the code once, but then anyone who does the the, the common protocol will get like password entering support, right? Yeah, anybody that can answer to a certain uh, protocol, uh, I think it's done with not MIME types, like uh, file types. And so there's mm-hmm. a there's a password manager file type that one the Agile Bits guys came up with. So, yeah, it's all it's all part of the the system extensions stuff, right? It's not baked directly into the OS, but it's all piggybacking onto the system extensions. Right. Yeah. And just as an aside, if anyone does not use One Password or some other password manager, One Password is my favorite one. It's on uh, Mac, Windows, iOS, and Android right now. They started off as a as a Mac app and. It's really awesome. I I was trying to beg them to add X callback URL support back when that was the best we could do, uh, and they I think they turned that down basically from for some security concerns. And you know they always make sure that that everything's super secure. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty cool. So even if you have an app, you should probably implement one password support too because it's awesome. Yeah. So my so long story short, my hackathon idea which is really yours was to implement one password and so it's now there for signing in creating an account and changing our password and it's just the the extension is really cool because one tap and then you can use your uh, touch id to unlock your vault pick your uh, pick your credential and it comes back into the app and you just hit sign in or change password or whatever. Works really well. Since it was my idea, I definitely would have to agree. <laughs> but you must you must have been scraping the bottom of the barrel if you had to use one of my ideas. <laughs> well, I would say that uh, we're probably getting to be a little bit too frequent with our hackathons. They're coming in a roughly eight-week periods now. Oh. Yeah, it's... I feel like once a quarter is good, personally. Yeah, I think that seems like the sweet spot. Like, year maybe, once a year maybe, not enough, depending on, you know, how, how big an event it is and how many people are involved. But, yeah, a quarter, more than a quarter, it's just like, you're going to have people who are just like, oh, just let me do my work. I I'm, don't have time to innovate, you know. Yeah. The the goal though that management wants is they want to have a good cadence with these things. They don't want them to be something that just pops up out of out of nowhere on people's yeah. radar. Well, speaking of uh, hackathons and and hacking on stuff, um, what did you hack? Tell me if I'm crazy or not, Sam. But I've I've been toying around with the idea of uh, using a hackintosh as my main dev machine and just for a little bit background for anyone who doesn't know what a hackintosh is it's basically you have your own intel uh computer that you've built and you run mac os 10 on it uh there's some some modifications that you you need to do to kind of boot into it for the first time like use a different bootloader and things along those lines but it's all pretty streamlined and it's pretty simple so Tell me about the hardware. Well, so basically you have to be kind of, if you want to do it, you have to be kind of picky about uh, 
what hardware you use. Um, generally, for processors, you need to use an Intel processor that Apple has released something that uses at least a somewhat similar processor with. So generally, um, it, it seems like if you're building a desktop machine, uh, you're using like some processor that's been released in a, in an iMac. Um, although yeah. pretty much any of the Intel processors right now, except for maybe some of the, some of the server processors, I, I believe you can, you can use if you want to build one now. I actually, when I started off my, my, uh, my company doing app development on the side, um, I had this really old, like three or four year old crappy MacBook that was really slow. And I actually started off with a Hackintosh, uh, and the machine I built was like less than a thousand dollars and still, you know, way better than any, any Mac that I could buy at the time. Um, actually shipped a couple versions of our app to the app store in it uh and kind of along those lines um for the first couple years of my company uh there's there's three people in the company and only one of us had iphone for those first two years so we were kind of lean uh going forward but um i guess more more hardware the the other than the processor and motherboard which you just kind of need to stick with intel um you have to be careful about your graphics card because Apple doesn't have that many drivers built into Mac OS X. Um, and I guess nowadays the manufacturers don't supply that many video card drivers for Mac anymore either, do they? Oh, yeah. they. I mean, I think it's kind of like Java or any one of those big software components that's built into Mac OS X is you have to work with Apple to get those things included in. So you only do the work when there is some GPU that that'll make sense for. But so you may be like a generation behind on a graphics card, but that's still probably uh, more powerful than what you can get if you buy a, a Mac. Just going to the Apple Store. Well, um, and hitting that one behind, you're actually also hitting the very good price point as well. Yeah, and. Speaking of price points, I mean, these, for the most part, like these Hackintoshes that I've built in the past are, uh, you know, super cheap, like less than like the cheapest laptop you can buy, but almost as powerful as a Mac Pro for all intents and purposes, um, just just because of how Apple constructs their product line so that for every model you you try out, there's one little thing that you can't really get can't get a good solid state disc without shelling out an extra three, four hundred dollars on you know uh on an iMac. So oh then you go to the retina iMac and oh but I want expandable storage with more Thunderbolt or something, so I have to go to the Mac Pro and you start it off looking at a like a Mac Mini or something and you end up paying, you know, thousands of dollars for a Mac Pro. And I mean that's how they've always done their product lines and I'm sure they're gonna continue to do that, but Apple would never make a, a machine that is what people for the most part wanted like developers, like people like us. Yeah, they they do make good consumer level machines that are but then again developers look at those consumer level machines and go, Well, that's not nearly enough for me. I can't fit my IDE on that. 
Yeah, I mean, the new MacBook they just came out with is an awesome machine for my mom or for my sister or for, you know, most most people. But for a developer or someone who's doing like video editing or something along those lines, I mean, it's not going to happen. Not on yeah. eight gigabytes of RAM. The the lowest one is eight gigabytes, right? Or is it four? I can't remember now. I think you can only get eight gigabytes for the MacBook. Yeah, it tops out at eight. I just built a new new computer. Uh, I was using it for some some gaming, and also I've been playing around with an Oculus Rift. But um, I'm I'm toying around with making it my my main development driver too again. Um, basically, because the graphics card is a lot better than my uh, Retina MacBook Pro uh, that has a laptop graphics card, uh, and I I think it could drive my my 4K uh, display a lot better than my my laptop can. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I've noticed just driving my I'm driving it at 4K at 60 hertz from my Retina MacBook Pro, but it's just kind of sluggish compared to something that is a little quicker. Uh, like we have a family computer that's non-Retina, and it's just so much smoother. You can tell. Um, but yeah, the, there's kind of one or two more caveats if you're going to build a Hackintosh. Um, one of them is kind of the... It's a bit of a, a gray area in terms of the licensing of the OS. Um, yeah, you're only supposed to technically run that on Apple-provided hardware, right? Yeah, but there's not there's not really a, a way to, to buy it anymore. The OS is free. Um, I remember back in the day... Uh, when I did my first Hackintosh, it was running Snow Leopard. You could still go pay for a disc. So people would go and do that, and I did that too. But there's not really a way to get it. But all you were essentially doing is you uh, format a USB stick and uh, put the installer on it, just like very similar to how you would do it if you were you know, reinstalling Mac OS X on one of your Macs. Um, so there, there's that issue, uh, and then the other issue with the, there may be some tweaks that you have to do with the hardware like we were talking about earlier, uh, and every time there's a new update that comes out, uh, you kind of have to be extra careful to make sure uh doesn't break something. Uh, with my old Hackintosh, the biggest thing that would tend to break was, was sound every OS update. <laughs> um so I just waited until they'd figured it out and then I updated and that's probably a good kind of way to, to do it anyways, because I, I tended to just jump into every new update that came out. Uh, and even on my, you know, Apple made Macs run into issues with that sometimes like, like the update. Uh, what was it for iOS? Oh yeah. Early or late last year 8, where 8. cellular 1. service. Yeah, so your service went away. I definitely got bit by that one. So then do you have to disable the automatic updates as well? Because if you take an update from Apple, is that going to crash your Hackintosh? Yeah, I, you, you probably would want to disable the automatic ones, and you typically end up just doing a, a full combo update. You download it and run it manually when you do it, um, just to make sure you don't run into any problems. But it's really not that that big of an issue, I'd say. Right. So does it, does it also work like iOS jailbreaks where 
some people come up with an idea to or a way to break the phone, to break into the phone and get root access, and then does Apple then come back and go, oh, we're going to kill all these Hackintoshes now with our next update? Do you have to worry no, about that, that? No, that doesn't really happen ever. Um, the only thing that, that people really have to circumvent is like adding video cards or certain type of hardware that aren't supported just because they're not in a list of identifiers somewhere, hmm. just kind of to inject some identifiers. Um, but, I mean, Mac OS ten is a much more open system compared to, to iOS, so there's not really much of that that goes on. So I heard you saw the new MacBook Pro Retina 13-inch model and tried out Force Touch. I did. It was pretty sweet. That was uh, pretty much the only reason I went to the Apple store, um, other than, you know, I had to re- replace a phone that I cracked the entire screen on. But other than that, <laughs> I was I was there. I was just going to lie and say, you know, I tried out Force Touch with my uh, preview model that Apple sent me, but you've you've ruined that, Sam. Yeah. So, so I have to tell the truth, and yeah, it, uh, it's actually pretty cool. It's on the the new 13 inch MacBook Pros that are already in stores now, um, and kind of like I was talking about last week, uh, it's kind of weird. the The trackpad doesn't actually move, um, but every time you you click. Uh, it vibrates and it feels like you're actually um, tapping on a on a trackpad. Like it feels like there's movement, and when you you basically go down a little bit further for a second click, and it just feels like it clicked twice as you press down if you want to do the force touch on something. So it'll like vibrate twice. Is that kind of in, in a rapid succession? Well, I think that's how it works but it feels like you're clicking and then you're pushing down and it's going down further but that's not actually what's happening hmm. it's you really have to try it out for yourself now i have on my macbook i have the uh tap or the touch to click turned mm-hmm. on do you do that as well i didn't invest I don't, I don't have that on mine i do find that sometimes it seems like i'll touch it doesn't register the actual tap and then i actually have to really push in before it act- mm-hmm. before it really kicks in but i'm curious how this force touch will feel it really does feel just like you're doing a normal like pushing on your trackpad uh, to click in it's kind of crazy i wonder i wonder how good that would be for people that have like carpal tunnel or arthritis in their joints maybe because if they don't have to actually push hard it's going to save some wear and tear in their joints but if you really do have to push, you're not necessarily going to know how hard you're pushing, so you might make it even worse for yourself. Did you have to? Did you find yourself pushing harder? It just felt like a normal trackpad to me. It was really, it's really weird. And I, I talked to the to the guy, and I felt the second click. So I mean, it wasn't just like I was using one of the old ones. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that's about all the time we have this week. Do you have any picks, Sam, that you wanted to get off your chest before we wrapped up? Yeah, you know, real briefly, and we'll put this in the show notes, I would just like to call out the 1Password extension and CocoaPod because literally I had that integrated into the app in probably about 100 lines of code total. So call out shout-outs to those guys for a great job on that. And definitely 
it's a no-brainer. Put it in your app. It's easy. So that's my that's my one pick. I will plus one or like or star or whatever I need to do <laughs> for your pick. All right. Sounds like a good one. Cool. Well, that sounds like it. Yeah. You want to tell us where we can find you on the internet? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Alex Argo. And I'm Sam Corder on Twitter. You can follow the podcast on Twitter under Shared Ins. Feel free to tweet at us if we said anything interesting tonight. Hey, we're now on Stitcher. If you like that app, look us up there. And if you like what you hear, tell your friends or rate us on iTunes, please. Until next time.